The scripture reading this morning will be from James uh, chapter 1, verse 22 through 25. And that can be found on the Pew Bibles, uh, page 1072. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away, and at once forgets what he is like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer, he uh, who forgets, but doers, but a doer who acts, he will be ble- a blessing in his doing. So thankful to be here with you today. Glad that you have chosen to, to come out and know that uh, somebody left the freezer door open and it feels a little cool outside. But thank you for being here where we had this great opportunity to worship and to spend time serving God. Uh, tonight we will uh, be talking about sanctity of life and uh, there will be a dinner afterwards, the agape dinner, and we're thankful for that good work. And uh, I hope that you will be back tonight to worship with us. And tonight, right now, let's go to God in prayer as we begin. Our Heavenly Father, you are great and mighty and you are awesome and you are powerful. And God, we come today to praise your name and to thank you for your love and your kindness. And God, we thank you that today we have an opportunity to to stand before you, to hear your word being taught, to teach your word, to sing praises to you, to, uh, to give of our means as you have so richly blessed us, and to come before your throne in prayer. Lord, help us today to uh, see you clearly and to be humbled by that and encouraged and help us to walk more closely with you. In Christ, let me pray. Amen. So a doer and a pewer, how about that? Philip is incredibly creative and it's amazing what is going on in his mind. And, and when I heard that this week, he read the script through uh, to several of us this week. I thought, wow, what, what will be people's thoughts? Because I will tell you, when it, when it comes to a kingdom work, there are people who do and there are people who, who do not. And so I thought, you know what, well, there might be some people who are offended at that. Maybe say, who are you to judge me and what I do? You, you don't know what I do. Just because I sit on a pew here doesn't mean you know what I do somewhere else. That may be the case. There may be some that are very excited and say, yes, yeah, I'm excited about the work that gets done. I want to be a part of the work that gets done. Show me something else and I will do that. And, and I think there are some who may be there and there may, may be some who may be a little bit convicted and go, you know what, I, I, I want to step up. I want to find the area of work that needs to be done. I want to put my heart and soul into it, and I want to make a difference in the kingdom. So I don't know about you, but it's amazing how many empty church buildings there are. You know, this one's out in the meadow somewhere. I don't know if this is where Laura Ingalls went or not. Not real sure uh, where she went to school and taught and also uh, worshipped. Um, but I know this, this, commu- this uh, area... It's full of empty church buildings. And whenever I see one, I, I do ask questions. I always go, why, why is it empty? Why would a church building, why would a church shut its doors? Why is it that a church would, would, would no longer meet? A church that was established for whatever purpose, hopefully a purpose to serve God and uh, being a place to worship, being a place to be a light to the community, why is it that they would shut their doors? Now, I've heard people say the reason why churches shut their doors, and I think they're all myths, I think there's one who say, you know what, people just won't listen to the gospel anymore. I don't believe that's true. 
There's probably been never been a time in the world where people have needed, needed good news more than they need it right now. People will listen to the gospel. I don't think that's true. Secondly, they'll say, you know what? People just don't have time for church. Well, I, y'all are here. You know, this morning, I think our numbers will be down some because of weather, because we've got a group of 40 teenagers plus all the adults at EU. But I will tell you, you have found a way to make time for it, and people will do that. Others say, you know what? People just aren't as spiritual as they used to be. <coughs> I've seen no evidence that this be true either, and our preacher just didn't that good at evangelism. See, if you were to open the gospel advocate right now, there's some want ads in the back. Not that I've been looking at them, okay? <clears throat> there's some want ads in the back, and every one of them want a preacher that's good at what? Evangelism. And I find it interesting that if you were to ask, they say, well, our last four preachers hadn't been, that's why we hadn't grown. Maybe it's not a preacher issue. Maybe it's a doer issue. See, I, I think about that, and, and I'm going to tell you, there's a very scary stat. In the Christian Chronicle, uh, just a few months ago, they, they carried an article and said this. said, from 2006 to 2016, about 58 congregations closed each year. And the overwhelming majority of, of churches uh, that remain are small. Average attendance among the nation's 11,965 churches of Christ is 94 and 54% of that average is just 34 people in the pews on Sundays. Let that sit in for a second. Most of us don't have, if we've lived in the Bible Belt, we don't have a clue what it's like to get out. You know, I grew up in a little congregation that wasn't a Bible Belt. Our Sunday goal was 55. That's, that's what we wanted. And then uh, my family moved to the big church where we had 100 in the county. See, I, I sit there and think about that to realize, and I know it's hard to count an autonomous group. It's hard to do that, but if there are about 12,000 congregations, and the average attendance of all of them together is around, around 90, 94 people, but over half of those realize there's less than 30-something people, and, and if a, basically a congregation shutting its door every week, then, then there must be a problem. There must be a problem, see, and that should be heartbreaking to us. But I think it should also be exciting. See, I think why a church shuts its doors, I think there's several reasons. I think one is you'll see that the church does not grow to spiritual maturity. Hebrew writer says, well, we should grow to be teachers by now. We should be uh, adding to ourselves faith, uh, faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? The word of God, that we should be people who grow in time. I believe every Christian, though you may not be able to teach a class, should be able to teach somebody how to become a Christian. Teach somebody to do what you did. When a congregation doesn't do that, more than likely the people in the pews will be immature and immaturity without someone watching over them will not grow. We look and say, I believe there are some people that churches don't grow because people have a membership, country club membership mentality. I pay my dues, I go when I want. It's not about discipleship, it's not about following Christ. I believe there's other congregations that die because there's a selfish attitude. I, I, I want to make sure everything is the way I want it, and I'm not worried about being selfless, not worried about giving other people. I, I get tickled sometimes when I hear people complain uh, about preaching and, and singing. There will be people say, I didn't like the song this morning. More than likely, somebody else did. Today wasn't about you. I hear people say, you know, I've heard that sermon before, or, or I've heard something like that, I, and, and I hear, you know what, somebody else hears that sermon, it's the sermon they needed that day. You know what, it's not about you, it's about Christ. And, and sometimes it's difficult for us to remember that. Um, when a church quits seeking the lost, they're done. There was a group of people called the Shakers several years ago. 
that decided it was wrong for them to, uh, to reproduce, to put it nicely, guess what? There's no more shakers. Some of y'all get that on the way home. I know it's cold and your brain ain't warmed up yet. They decided it was wrong to have anti-physical pleasure, therefore they, they stopped participating in it, therefore there's no more. When they die, they're gone. When a congregation ceases to reproduce and go out and to, to seek the lost, they're, they're, they're going to go down. And, and also when a congregation loses their children. See, that comes back to, to, to parents. What fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It is very important that we do instill faith in our kids. I'm very thankful uh, for the, the, the children's ministry and the youth ministries that are here and for the job parents are doing, making sure today that I'm thankful I look around and I hear kids here to know that even though it was cold outside and there was a dusting of snow that you told your family, we're going to be here. We're going to be here. I'm thankful that the families who couldn't get out today may be watching with us as a family on, on our live stream to be able to say, hey, this is important to us. Maybe some of our older people couldn't get out and they're with us this morning. We're thankful for that. Some churches, uh, church people choose to complain over encourage. Some choose fear over faith. Some choose to go in the prevent defense instead of being on the offense. Some of you won't have a clue what I'm about to talk about, but some of you do. And in sports, in, in football and basketball, one of the most frustrating things to do is to see a team slow the game up when they've been whipping on somebody really good. And their goal is, we just don't want to lose. They quit doing what it, what it took for them to, to be ahead and to be good, and you see them slow it down so much. And, and the thing is, I think we have to remember... Then the whole discussion when Jesus asked the disciples, who does man say that I am? You're the son of the living God. He said, upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We are on the offensive. God's people are on the offensive. We have a God that is with us who has charged us to go out and reach the lost. And we should be on offense. So many times we're like, what are we, let, let, let's play defense against the world. Let's play offense and get more of God's word out there. I think that's huge. I think that's something for us. I think there's congregations where they just, brethren, bite and devour one another. It's, 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 it's one of those things that you see. And, and can I tell you what really happens is the reason churches die is when there's not enough doers. When there's not enough doers. See, Paul told the church at Galatia here, he, he said, for you, we're called to, to freedom, brothers. Do not use your freedom as opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. I love that Paul can't count either. The whole law is fulfilled in one word, and he gives you a sentence, okay? But what is it? It's love. What should we do? We should be people who serve and people who love our neighbor as ourselves. Listen, that gets everybody inside the church and outside the church. Amen? Loving and serving everybody is who the Lord's church is what we should be about. We should be about doing. He said, your motivation is this, that we should be about, with Jesus as our king, he was the ultimate example of serving, washing the disciples' feet, Going through and healing, he was the ultimate example of serving. So we, we should be about serving him and all, serving others, but loving our neighbors as ourselves. He was the most incredible example of that. Jesus was a doer, and he wants us to do the same. 
See, the scripture reading we had earlier, we look at, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. It is possible if the church had had pews at that time, James would have used pure and doer himself, okay? Don't be just somebody who just hears God's word and then goes on like they have never, ever heard it. It's what he says. If anyone is, is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his face in a mirror, and, and for he looks at himself and goes away, but once forgets what he was like. But he who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, that's somebody who does, who lives out, who lives in faith, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be a blessing in what he is doing. We are called as God's people to be doers. That is what he has commanded and called and lived out by example for us to be, is to be doers. The church started with doers. See, Jesus went around. He chose 12 men to be what? To be doers, to follow me, be, be disciples. He, he chose men to, to follow him, and, and that number grew. And then we see at the first gospel sermon, if you want to turn your Bible to Acts chapter 2, that, that the disciples preached this sermon. Paul, I mean, Peter's given name credit for it. And what he does, he, he tells people, he goes through and lets the Jewish people who are listening know that what they have done is they have murdered the Messiah. He says this, verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to their heart, and Peter and the rest of the apostles, they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So, so during the sermon, uh, I find it interesting that, that Peter doesn't get to finish the sermon. The, the people cry out. It wasn't that he offered an invitation, but he gave one because the people cried out, what shall we do if, if the Messiah we've been looking for for so long has finally come, the one that when we go back and look at the Old Testament scriptures, all these uh, prophetic uh, prophecies have come to us. We look at messianic prophecies. We've looked at them. He came and we murdered him. What shall we do? Is there anything we can do? He said, yes, repent and be baptized every one of you and your sins will be taken away. He lets them know that. And what happens in verse 39 says, for this promise is to you and for your children and for those who are far off, everyone whom the Lord, our God calls to himself. That's us people. That's us, that's every, that, that is us. We look and he says, and with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized and were added to that day about 3,000 souls. Did you see it here? Did you see that it's okay to preach a long time? It says, and with many other words, he kept exhorting. All right, isn't it funny the Bible says, let your prayers be short, but you can preach long. Just let you know that, it's there. He kept preaching and exhorting people, hey, do not stay where you are. Do what? Become a Christian. And what happens? What happens is, as you see this, in verse 42 says, and they devoted themselves, that's who they, those who were baptized for remission of their sins, devoted themselves to apostles' teaching and to fellowship and the breaking of bread and to prayers. And all came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were to debt together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received with food the gladness, with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. What were the people doing? They were actually being doers. 
If somebody had a need, they, they sold what they had. They were fixing food. They were taking care of people. Why? Because people had traveled from a long way away to come to Jerusalem for this time of year to be there for Pentecost. There were people there who couldn't just go home. So what happens? This, their new spiritual family started taking care of them and making sure they had places to stay, making sure they had food. If anybody had a need, the church was filled with doers. Well, what was the result? The result was this, and the Lord added their number day by day, those who were being saved. When, when doers do, when they do it for a pure, sincere reason as loving their neighbor as themselves because they love the Lord their God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength, as they do that, the Lord added to their number. Isn't that awesome? To see, what did people do? They do anything special? They took care of one another. They showed the love to others that God has shown to them. They realized what great price had been paid for them, and they did this, and the church grew. They loved and they served. See, we, we, we look here. The church definitely has needs. I preached about this last week. We preached about Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. And what happened, there was, they, they were giving out food every day to widows to make sure that they had their, their daily bread, if you will, to make sure they had food to eat. And there was a group of widows who was what? Who were being overlooked in this. They were being overlooked here in verse 6, chapter 1. It says, now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being rejected, neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it's not right that we should give up preaching the word to go and to serve tables. That is, that is what was said to them. And what happens, the, the apostles say there, therefore do what? Pick out from you seven men full of good repute, full of, full of the spirit and, and wisdom, whom you will appoint to this duty. And we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. What's awesome is, what did the disciples say? We need some doers. We've got jobs to do. There's other jobs to do. We need some doers. That, that is what they said. And what happened? They picked the seven men who fit these qualifications. And what happened? So they've called them up. They laid their hands on verse 7. And the word of God continued to increase. And the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. What happened? As doers began to do, the church grew. That's an awesome thought that that's what happened. What does that mean to this congregation here? What does it mean for us? See, I, I believe this is a congregation who, who, who has for, for many years served one another and loved their neighbor as themselves and, 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 and has been filled with doers, people who have found works and have done them. It'd be amazed if some of our younger people could sit down with some of our older people and ask what it was like to worship here and all the different work that's been done here through years, through the years. And what happened? Well, God gave the increase here to the point this building was overflowing. It's no different than what happened in Acts, but God gave the increase as people here served God, taught the gospel, and gave the increase here. And, and, and the church here has made a, a kingdom decision to do what? To not play prevent defense, but to play offense. And, and to continue uh, to, to be a, a group of doers, and that's something that we are going to need. And because of this, we look, and there is a plant, the, the 109 congregation, and I know it seems that most of our announcements are about them. I hate to say them and us. It sounds weird, doesn't it? Because we're all in this together. 
But so many of our announcements, we talk about them. I want you to know that, that it is an awesome thing for the congregation there, the congregation here of the kingdom of God, that this is happening. And I want to show you a couple of things. I want to show you some things that, that I think will be very helpful. See, there's doers who are going. I have no idea who, who had to sit in the child seats that night. I'm just glad it wasn't me. It had take, taken that crane to lift me out of it, okay? But I'm thankful there were people there that, that were serving and finding a way to, to be a part of that. See, when it comes to this congregation here, the congregation that meets here, we are blessed to have doers. We need more, but... This, some of the programs, we think about recovery through Christ, we think about meals on wheels or mentoring groups, food pantry, ladies' classes and groups, youth and children's ministry. We could go on and on and on. All the different works that are going here, all those take what? Doers. They take doers, and, and, and we look and say, wow, some of our doers are leaving. Wow, that's a great opportunity for others to step up. See, so, so we look at that, and have you ever thought about what it takes uh, just to have worship here for one Sunday? It's amazing what it takes, the amount of doers it takes for one Sunday to take place here. Just in our Bible classes, I, I asked this week, and it takes about 60 or so teachers and adults to be a part of our Bible classes for those to take place. For our teachers or class coordinators, uh, as I like to call them in the kid, little kids' classes, the bouncers, you know, their responsibility isn't teaching a whole lot, but is to keep them from bouncing on out of the room, all right? That's their job. But it takes about 60 or so every morning, every Sunday morning, for us to be able to have Sunday school. And that's just during the time we're here. That has nothing to do with the planning leading up to it. Do you know for us to have a, a, a worship service today, for first service, second service, there's nursery workers, there's our guys who work in the pit, and I hadn't figured out how the pit's above, a pit should be below. There's a, that's more of a duck blind up than a pit, but that's, I'm trying to figure this out, okay? Um, we have men who... We have uh, men and women who work security. We have greeters. We have ushers. We have counters. We have secretaries who make sure everybody knows what's going on. They do a wonderful job. We have song leaders. We have prayer leaders. We have those who serve on the table. We have those who uh, take the Lord's Supper to, and I know I said Lord's Super, and that would be its own sermon. I misspelled it. Uh, the Lord's Supper to shut-ins. We have those who, who preach, and that means every Sunday there's another 60 or 70 involved in worship taking place. So that means there's 130 people who have to be doers just for one Sunday to take place here. Let that set in a second. And this morning, I'm thankful Clay was able at the, the last minute to, to lead singing. We are gifted. I mean, just blessed with others who can step up and do a phenomenal job. Why? Because when he was called and asked, he was able to do that today. 130 people of doers. That's not counting the, the 45 or so deacons and our, our, our 14 elders. Just know that the church needs doers. And, and, and I think about that. You may be going, what about me? Because there are people who say, Craig, you know what? I, I, I'm not a teacher. I'm not good at teaching. Well, I would love, it, and we're going to do things to help train you if you would love to be good at that. But I'm going to tell you, there's some things everybody here can do. No matter how old you are, no matter what your abilities are, there are some things you can do. Number one, we need people who will be a doer when it comes to prayer. Who here will pray for this church daily? Who here will pray that we reach lost people every single day? Anybody can do that. We need people who will. 
People who will commit themselves every day. Maybe it's, it's one day you go through and say, you know what, today I'm going to pray for families. Today I'm going to pray for our single moms here. Today I'm going to pray for the families here who have chosen to adopt, the families here who do foster care. Today I'm going to pray for our elders or our deacons. Today I'm going to pray for whatever it is. And you decide, you know what, today I'm going to pray. It may be that you take the family tree or the directory and you say, you know what, I'm going to take a family a day and pray for them specifically. So we need doers, and that's something all of us can do. Secondly, we need people who can encourage. I, I received, uh, Knox wrote me this card a few weeks ago. I, I, I really liked it. Uh, uh, he told me I was a good preacher and I had great potential. So I hope I, my potential continues to, to grow. Uh, I do. I have potential for a lot of stuff, um, uh, and I hope most of it's good. That goes in a keepsake box. Why? Because when you encourage somebody, it makes a difference. When you can lift their heart, it makes a difference. Everybody here can encourage. Everybody here through a kind word, talking to someone, through sending a card or a letter, through making a phone call, through putting your arm around somebody, everybody here can become a doer when it comes to encouragement. People here, There are people here that can take food. What an incredible encouragement it is to someone when, when, when they are going through something or even when they're not to say, hey, I was thinking about you today and we want to bring this over. You know, it makes a big difference in the lives of others. There are those of you who said, you know what, I, I'm really shy. I'm not sure about talking to other people, and, and, but I, I can cook. I can do this. And, or or you may, it may not be that you can cook. You can say, you know what, I can get carry out from anywhere in this town and bring it to your house. It's about being a doer. When you walk in Walmart, you get a greeter, right? That's something they, they've, they've looked at and come out. And, and we have greeters who stand at the door. Can I tell you, this morning we have 453 here. We need 453 greeters this morning. We need everybody here that, to commit to greet those who they see. And it's a big deal that you not just say hi to someone, but ask how they're doing or introduce yourself. Sometimes in a congregation this big, you're scared to introduce yourself to somebody who's been a member here for three years. And you're going, hey, is this your first time here? No, it's my 154th. That's okay. You know what? We want to be people who show that love, and being a doer is part of that, and making sure when we're here, it's not about just coming and sitting in a pew and sitting there. It's about being active. Listen, worship is being a doer, being active in worship, being active in those, but finding ways to greet and make other people feel important is a big, big deal. At Spring Hill, there's an older fellow that is an unofficial greeter, and I'll talk a lot more about him at different times. And uh, he hugs everybody whether they need it or not. Now, if you're somebody who is, who is uh, uh, germ conscious, you can come through another door there. And we sort of tell people, if you want to get hug door, non-hug door, you can, you can sort of choose your doors. But it was amazing. I had multiple people when they came and wanted to become a part of our church family, some that wanted to be baptized for Mr. Sin, some that wanted to be there, they said, you know what, I didn't know where I was going to go that day. I drove by, there was a congregation here, I came in, and that one person gave me exactly what I needed, and I felt welcome. See, it's something to realize that, that God needs us to be doers. He's called us to be doers for the sake of the kingdom. It's a big deal. And, and what happens when we do? 
What happens when we choose to be on offense and we choose to say, we want to make a difference in this county, we want to make a difference in the kingdom for the world, what happens? Uh, while ago, Brother Pat talked about that our attendance has been up. I, I want to get a little bit more in depth of that. See, in 2018, our, uh, our PM attendance averaged 588. I'd love for that to be a lot better. I, I'd love, uh, I don't understand why it's not 100%. I know there's why some people can't get out, uh, but I think we all be running 70, 80%. I, I think that's within our grasp. What does it take? You've been willing to be a doer and come back. But here's what's been pretty awesome. Since the two weeks the 109 has been going, when you take the people who have been here and the people who have been there, and last week we had the circuit riders out, which is awesome. They were out preaching in another congregation. You count those people. So far this year, we've averaged 770 on Sunday nights. Is that awesome or not? See, listen, that means what? That God is giving increase. It may not be we have had some people come to Christ this year, but it means that there are more people who have chosen to be worshipers and be doers, and that is huge. That means there, there's 182 people difference between last year and this year attending on Sunday nights, and we want to see that what? Continue to grow and to grow and to grow. See, when we have more doers in the kingdom, God adds the increase. It's awesome. And it's not just doing, it's doing what? Doing as Christ did because of what he's done for us and making an incredible difference for him and because of him. The Lord said, you know, Paul planted Apollos water, God, God gave the increase at something there. As we become people who do, we become people who show love, we become people who find a place to serve. It's amazing what God will do through his kingdom there in this congregation, the congregation down the road, and throughout this community. I'm excited to see what God will do here throughout this year and throughout our future. What's it going to take? It's going to take everybody being willing to fall down on their knees and name Jesus their king. So when Jesus is your king, you become his servant, and that is what we need. People who say, you know what, I want to serve, I want to be his. This morning, if you've not yet become a Christian and made Jesus your king, please do that. It would be awesome today for us to see you give your life to him for you to be baptized for mission of your sins. It would be incredible. Or today it may be that, that, that you are a Christian and say, Craig, I, I, I've been leaning more on the, the pure side than the doer, and I want to I draw a line in the sand today that says, I want my life to be a life of doing from here on out. Or it also may be that, that you're going through something this morning and you want this church family to pray with you and for you, and we would love to do that. If we can help you with your walk with the King, would you come now while we stand and while we sing?